Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and this week we watched another Netflix show, Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zones, shows us how diet and lifestyle can help us live longer. Is the secret sweet potatoes and tofu, or maybe just heading out to a new bar with our friends? We'll find out right after this. Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest restaurant news. Don't forget to tell us what you think at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, do us a big favor and tell all your friends about it. Later on in this episode, we'll talk about a new documentary series on Netflix that we love. But first, we're catching up on food news with reporter Sarah Blaskovich and our producer, Julie Fisk. Imelda Garcia is out this week, and Claire Baller is working on an important Dallas Morning News fentanyl project. Sarah, there's a lot of interesting changes in the local bar scene right now. I know, and we're not even drinking. It is five o'clock somewhere. I will drop Jimmy Buffett references in the next couple of weeks in honor of one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, But yeah, I would love to talk about bars. There are three cool ones that are brand new to Dallas that I think people will want to know about. The first is the sexiest. Mm. It is a speakeasy called Regine. I like that name. It has an S on the end of Regine, but I think it's silent. Oh, is that French? Uh, don't, don't leave this to me. Can we just call it Rajan's? (laughs) (laughs) Ray jeans. Um, no, Regine. And it is next door to Maison Chinois. That was a good pronunciation. That was, that was really good. And most speakeasies are small, right? This one's big, Mm. but still no windows, a black front door. You can either make reservations on the Regine website, or if you're next door at Maison Chinois, you can kind of sashay over there. So you're going to want to really dress up if you go to Regine. I went on Thursday night and my outfit was not low cut enough. No, I'm kidding. But really, it was just kind of fabulous, luxurious. There's live music. It feels like you should drink a martini and tell a big story with your hands, as I am doing right now. (laughs) You guys can't see me, but I'm trying to figure out what to do with my hands. So Regine is going to kind of be your like date night spot. Feels like you could keep a secret inside this speakeasy, if that makes any sense. Okay, bar number two, Surf Camp. This is a fun rooftop bar in downtown Dallas. And for anybody who knows National Anthem on the first floor from Chef Nick Badavinas, second floor is Brass Ram, the prime rib den. Third floor was always going to be some kind of rooftop patio. And it opens today, in fact. Surf camp is seasonal, so it will only be a surf themed beach bar until next year. And then they'll change it to something else. So the overarching theme of this space is called Pop Top. And the idea is that it's a pop-up bar that changes whenever Nick Badavinas feels like it. And it's kind of a pop-up Nick Badavinas style. Totally. So it's all outdoors and the couch cushions are tie-dye. And I learned a fun fact. One of the staffers hand tie-dyed those couch cushions herself. And I don't know if anybody out there has tie-dyed recently. I have with my (laughs) seven-year-old. It is not easy to make it look cool. Right. And these look cool. You go there and you get a beachy cocktail with like a colorful straw that's all twisted. And maybe you share some sushi rolls or some ceviche or some coconut shrimp with a friend or five. So there is a menu of food. Yeah. And the menu is not tiny. 
I really thought it was going to be like some bar snacks. Mm -hmm. You can totally go there and have a full meal, but it's just light and kind of this Cali vibe. And maybe they'll play Jimmy Buffett. Oh yeah. (laughs) Way to bring it back around. (laughs) Thank you. And perfect timing with this because North Texas has been a fresh hell until this very week. (laughs) You know, this is the first week that we haven't had triple digits every single day. I do. I want to drink on a patio. So this is perfect. I believe most people in this town, as long as it's not raining, will be outdoors between Thursday and Sunday. Oh yeah. We outdoors really well. The eating and drinking on patios is a way of life in Dallas, as long as it's not 103. Mm -hmm. And it's not. And maybe it won't be again. Who said that? Oh, you mean throughout the rest of the year? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> what did I say? No, it was me. It was the way my brain, don't yes. worry. Never, ever again are we yeah, going to be at 100 degrees. That's how oh, my no, brain no, hurt No, it. we will. The earth hates us. Yes. <laughs> We've not been nice to it. Okay, third bar. Are we ready? Yes. yes. Another speakeasy. Ooh. This one in Plano. It's called the Wilfred. It is named after the sweet owner's dog. Oh. The Wilfred is next to Seabreeze, a seafood restaurant, and it's the same family who owns both of these places. Now, the vibe in there is like royal purple and dark colors, and there's crystal chandeliers and a disco ball. So okay. kind of like a little bit of both. The owner is serious about cocktails. So, you know, if you want a correct cocktail, you'll get one there. I love this place because it is so different than what most of Plano has. That was my question. Like what prompted them to open a speakeasy right next to their fish market in Plano? So the owners of Seabreeze, they have a son and it's the son who is starting this cocktail bar. And he lives in Oak Cliff and I think started hanging out with a lot of the people who make cocktails around Dallas. And there is this really cool fraternity of men and women who are serious about cocktails in this town. And he's part of it. So I think he learned to love cocktails and then realized that Plano didn't have something like this. Yeah. So he believes that some of the clientele will be these longtime Seabreeze customers who might just want to go next door. But then there are also other people in Plano who just want to go out for a cocktail in a really beautiful place. So he wants to provide a spot for them. As somebody who really would like to try all of these places, how long do you think it will take for me to be able to get a table? Like what are the weights like at places like this? I think there's a pretty big burst at the beginning of these openings to where everybody wants to go. Yeah. Julie. So I think everybody's going to want to go to surf camp. Lots of people are already making reservations to Regine. But because a cocktail bar can be a 45 minute affair, I think it'll be a little easier, you know, to like stop in different than some of the biggest restaurant openings where you absolutely must have a seat. Right. You know, I think you could try any of these places if you were out near them and pop in and say, hey, I'm just stopping in for a martini. So Regine has reservations. Regine takes reservations. You can also show up and see if there's a spot. I don't have a good guess about whether that will work or not. (laughs) And you said it is a larger speakeasy. So Regina is huge. I mean, I went to a party last week and 200 people were in there and there were sequins. It was it was like a whole vibe. I loved that you had the word sequin in your story because when I was editing it, I can't remember the last time I had read the word sequin. So I had to Google it to make sure. That was spelled correctly. Yeah. Seguin? What is this? I know. I was like, what is this word? And you know, some people say sequence. No. Instead of sequins. (laughs) As a a former dancer who wore sequins for, oh, 15 years. For a long sequence. (laughs) Oh, you nailed it. My sequins, sequence was long. Um, But yeah, you should wear your sequins. It's always funny to me when I get dressed up to go out to realize that my dressed up looks way different than what Dallas's version of dressed up looks like. Yep. Dallas's version of dressed up, I've noticed is just like not a lot of clothes at all. That was a reflection of mine at Regine. There was just a lot of not clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Some crop tops and some low cut. And I got to give him credit. People looked 
fabulous right, yeah. inside this place, but that's just not really my look. Right. Yeah. I could do that. I don't think anybody would want to see it, <laughs> but I could go there. I feel like my dressing up is just like all black. Yes. So I'll just like fade in and no one can really see anything, but it looks sleek enough. Yeah. But you feel fancy. But I feel fancy. Yes. A little black dress in whatever style it is would absolutely work there. And sequin. <laughs> right. We also just want to give a shout out to El Phoenix, which is one of the oldest restaurants in North Texas. 105 years old this week. It is in fact the oldest restaurant in North Texas. And they had a party this week with mariachi performers and food and drink specials. Of course, there are margaritas and cheese enchiladas. I'm a person who loves an old restaurant and I like the history of food in this town. So happy birthday to El Phoenix. Happy birthday, El Phoenix. And it's kind of funny that we're talking about the live to 100 becoming a centenarian. Yeah. In this episode. El Phoenix is five years after that. Yes. They did it and they're still good. I think the key is just eating Tex-Mex. Is that what it is? Is I I think so. Is it cheese enchiladas and margaritas? (laughs) I think so. We're on the right track then. Sarah, you brought your cooler again today. (laughs) What did you (laughs) bring? totally nerdy cooler. It's like one of those small coolers. Like if I were a dad in the 80s. Oh my gosh. At at work. Yes. We are trying a new flavor of Jenny's ice cream. Yes. Mm. And you know... I was the Scrooge in the room about the pumpkin spice stuff. I don't hate it, but it's just not my lane. And so Jenny's has a sweet potato marshmallow ice cream that very much says fall in cooler weather without doing the pumpkin spice trope. I like that. And so I want you guys to try it. I have not tried it. My children asked three times yesterday if they could (laughs) eat it. And I said, no, this is for Miss Erin and Miss Julie. So I haven't even looked at it. Okay. We're all going to try it together. It's got to be orange. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know. Burnt orange. Burnt, I know, it's going to say. Texas. Yeah, hook them. <laughs> this could be the new UT official ice cream. It looks like there's actual chunks of sweet potato in here. Ooh. The real name is sweet potato marshmallow brulee. I'm going in. I can see the little specks of like vanilla or cinnamon or whatever that is. Jenny's uses real food mm-hmm. in their food. Mm. Ooh, you know what it tastes like? The sweet potato marshmallow casserole on yes. Thanksgiving. But this could easily also be a pumpkin spice ice cream. Mm -hmm. Totally. In fact, those spices are nutmeg and cinnamon. God, this is really, really, (laughs) really good. I like this better, actually, than the casserole dish during Thanksgiving dinner, because that's too sweet Mm -hmm. in a meal that just feels like you've eaten too much already. And what's interesting is I gave everybody one and a half scoops, like not a ton. And for me, I like sweets, but I don't need to overdo it. This is just a little bite. Mm -hmm. Although I could eat that whole pint. This is so good. Very quickly. I love that you guys love this. Mm-hmm. So is this going to be available in stores or only in the Jenny's shop? Both. I bought this at the Central Market at Lovers and 75. But they also have it in the stores by the scoop. And I think in the stores you can buy pints as well. Okay. And there are several Jenny's around DFW if you want to go to their ice cream shop. But we kind of eat ice cream at home. Mm-hmm. You know, we have little kids. There's always something in the freezer. Yep. So for me, it's the kind of thing you buy at the grocery store and just have when you want it. This might be one of my new favorite Jenny's flavors. I'm a big gooey butter cake ice cream fan. Yes. I love that version, but this is really good. The thing I think Jenny's excels at is treats that are not so saccharine. Mm -hmm. It does not need to be a sugar bomb, even though it's ice cream. You know, this is lightly sweet. The thing that sweetens it mostly is that marshmallow brulee, which is like, you know, sort of ribboned through Mm it. Yep. But- Leave this in the hands of another ice cream company and it would be sweeter. Yeah, I agree. And it might be interesting to serve this during Thanksgiving as opposed to your pumpkin or sweet potato pie and then open the door to some other type of Thanksgiving dessert. Oh, wait, what about like a pecan pie? And then this is on the side of the pecan pie. What a pairing. 
Girl. Good, right? Yes. Got to do it. That's a Sarah Blaskovich tip right there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll do it at Thanksgiving, won't we? Yes. yes. Now, we all know sweet potatoes are delicious, but can they also help you live longer? We'll discuss that right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like, when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality, you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. We've all been watching a new docuseries on Netflix called Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zones. It's pretty inspiring, and it's already prompted some of us to change our eating and lifestyle habits. So in this series, journalist Dan Butner highlights five communities around the globe that have a remarkably high number of centenarians, or people living to 100 years old. He dives into the diets and habits of people in Okinawa, Japan, Ikaria, Greece, Costa Rica, Sardinia, and Loma Linda, California. And it's truly fascinating the commonalities that these communities share. Their diets are mostly plant-based. They have a tight community and are surrounded by friends and family. They live in walkable communities and they have a strong sense of purpose. And what really struck me about the findings is that these people are not just living to 100, they are thriving. They are physically active and mentally sharp. Many are free of disability, dementia, and illnesses like diabetes. They also seem just so peaceful and light and happy, even though some, like those in Okinawa, have experienced trauma and war. So what did you guys think of this series? You guys didn't know it, but I was already going to be interested in this series because my dad studied for five days with Dan Butner. Oh, no. what? Yeah. He is interested in diet and lifestyle for longevity. And this guy's the expert on it. He had a great experience. I think a lot of it is very personal. You learn a lot about yourself and about your environment. He's in fact like made some diet changes because our family, all of us are very worried about getting Alzheimer's mm -hmm. because I want to live a long time, but I do not want to live a long time if I am not well. Right. right. And we have family members who have lived a long time and been unwell. It's tough for the person going through it. It's tough for their family members. There was part of me when I started to watch this thing where I thought, well, I don't really want to live to 100. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody in my family who's lived that long happily. But Aaron, you make the point that, you know, the idea is not only the longevity, but also that the quality of life seems to be so high for these people. I found the first episode to be especially inspiring. My husband and I both came away with things we want to do yeah. from this show. What about you, Julie? In some ways, it's kind of changed everything for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's so funny to me. And I think about this often with <laughs> the way AI is coming into our lives, mm -hmm. how self-worth and our own importance, we derive so much of that from what we do every day, from our jobs. Uh -huh. And we live with this misconception that, oh, if we don't have to work, we'll be happier. But that's not really the case. Like right. so often our work makes us happy because it makes us feel a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. That is becoming my beacon to shape my life around that. So yeah, it has had an enormous effect on me. Wow. Plus I'm trying to lay off the meat a little bit. <laughs> right. There are also things that like my family doesn't do, like eat beans. One of the big things that Dan Butner, he loves the legumes, you know, he right. talks about beans all the time. We don't eat them because they're hard on us. You yeah, know, yeah. you don't want to be around us after that. Beans, beans are good for your heart. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's all stuck in all our heads. Yes. But he's right. Sometimes you have to make those changes for the additional, what, 20 years? Mm-hmm. 
One of the things I loved most about learning from this show is that longevity does not seem to be about regular strenuous exercise, but about regular uninteresting movement. The steep village in Sardinia means that people are taking steps all day long to get wherever they need to go. And the walking to the garden and back in Okinawa, because that's where the food is. And that's part of both a hobby and a a vocation. Mm -hmm. A a thing to do every day would be to tend to your garden that's good for your mind and good for your body. I am not a person who really loves a daily workout. I try to work out because I think I'm supposed to, but I've never found that runner's zen or anything that I know a lot of people have. And this made me feel like if you surround yourself in an environment where you're walking because you have to, because it's part of your day Mm -hmm. and because your body is conditioned to do so, it doesn't feel like working out. I mean, it reminds me so much of sitting down every day at a desk like I have for my entire professional life. Whereas when I was in college and in high school, we walked every 45 minutes between classes for eight hours a day. In college, it was classes were far. I mean, we'd lightly jog if it was all the way across campus and you had to get there in nine minutes. And um, we don't do that at all as adults. Yeah, it's really hard in this community, North Texas, we are so car dependent. Uh And also when it's 105 or eight outside, I definitely didn't walk anywhere over the summer. Yep. One thing I loved too about the people in Okinawa that Dan pointed out was that they live kind of on the floor. Mm -hmm. You know, they sit a lot on the floor, their tables are low and they get up and down all day long. And that really helps their mobility. That 101 year old grandma had to get herself up and down dozens and dozens of times a day. Right. You know, not complaining about her joints hurting. One of the cool things about getting older is there seems to be, uh, for me, less emphasis on the work your butt off workout. Yeah. And it's funny to to see this approach because I think longevity is a big buzzword in like American culture right now. And you see a lot of these like billionaire CEOs. There's that one guy who like drinks his son's blood to try to live longer. What? It's really bizarre. I've yeah. never heard that. Everyone is, makes fun of this guy. But you know, it's like Americans are gonna try to hack it. Like, how can I put <laughs> a blue zone in a bottle? You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, no, yes. it's, it's your lifestyle. And it's also about the connection with community mm-hmm. that I really love. So it's really not that hard. It's just almost fighting against society is the hardest part. This is- another big change in my perspective. I've always said when I hit a certain age, I want to go into a retirement home. Mm -hmm. I want to be around other old people. But Dan says so often that takes off years from your lifespan because you're not in your community anymore. You're not with your family or your people and you no longer have that sense of place. So sorry, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, though, Julie, I think it does depend on your approach. My college roommates and I have promised that when we're super duper old and especially if we're widowed, that we will all live together, whether it's a home or like actually together. And we will just like redo college in our 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. I joke with my mom, too, who also has said that she wants a community around her when she's older. And if you leave it to my mom, she will start a book club and a happy hour and a ballet class within the first week of being wherever (laughs) she is. I want to live with your mom. And so she's a total blast. So if you go into a home where there's somebody who's fun, Julie, maybe it's loud. Maybe. (laughs) My sister always says, promise me we'll get a house together or live together when we get old. And my husband always says, why is she killing me off? Like, (laughs) where am I supposed to go? (laughs) Women live longer statistically, so you got to have a plan. (laughs) I know. And I worry about that because I don't do alone well at all. You know, I haven't lived alone for very many years of my life. I really thrive in a social situation with kids and people and husband and all that. Man, I don't want to outlive my husband. 
I know it's sad, but I think there is that trend of women getting together and living together. Even in Okinawa, they had a word for it. Some of them even do live together or even like share finances if they need help. Geriatric sorority house. Yeah, it's it's totally I can get into it. In North Texas, there's a group of women who are all retired and they take their RVs and go out and try different campsites all around the country as a group. I really related to the they don't have a word for retirement Mm -hmm. in Okinawa. And I've always joked that, like, I'm just going to work until I'm dead. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know what that looks like or means, but I get so much happiness out of working and I kind of need it. Yeah. And I think also the way our society looks at work is a lot different than a lot of these communities. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of it, it's like working for someone else. So it becomes just a real drain rather than creation, you know, like you're creating yeah. something or that one man in Okinawa who made, I think, musical instruments. It definitely made me rethink work also. There's work for a paycheck and then there's productivity, like yeah. personal productivity. Yeah. I do think part of it is how we're constantly being sold in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I feel like part of the reason that we see longevity as diet and exercise is because those are things that can be sold to us right. on a regular basis. Whereas so much of longevity actually comes from these intangible things like sense of purpose, joy, connections. If they could put that in a bottle, mm-hmm. they would definitely be selling it to us right now. Right. Exactly. And I would buy it. <laughs> like buying a bunch of supplements is not what's going to do it. No. I really enjoyed the part about food. Mm-hmm. First episode, they talked quite a bit about sweet potatoes. We just tried sweet potato ice cream, yes. which I don't know if that's on <laughs> Dan Butner's list or not. We can ask him. I love to eat sweet potatoes and I made the Jennifer Garner salad that we cannot stop talking about because she's our best friend. And what I did was I, I roasted broccoli and sweet potatoes in the oven and then I mixed them up with the sesame dressing that I talked about. And then um, I just tossed in some roasted peanuts. We didn't have any feta. We didn't have any cashews. So it was just like a a salad with two ingredients and a dressing and then some nuts on top. And I even left the nuts off for the kids, but they ate it too. I will make that sweet potato dish anytime. I'm making it for dinner tonight. See? Yes. It's delicious. Yeah. It's easy. And Dan would love it. Dan Buettner would eat it. I loved learning about the diet parts of each area. You know, they focused on Okinawa, very plant-based. And I feel vindicated on my new tofu habit. We are meat eaters Mm -hmm. almost every night. It's one of the things we have not changed about our diet yet and probably should. It's not top of my list, to be real honest. We eat lean protein a lot. I literally last week I made lo mein because I had watched this and it looked so beautiful, the fresh vegetables Uh and a little bit of noodles. Normally I would put a piece of protein on top and I didn't because of Dan. And also um, I love when he went to Sardinia and that's where he started talking about pasta and breads and carbs. And it was like, phew, finally they eat pasta and carbs. But it was interesting how he said it's very different than the super processed breads that we eat in the U.S. So what changes have you made, Erin? Oh, I definitely have limited the meat. You know, I'm trying two times a week at least to have a meat-free meal or at least have meat more as the accessory rather than like the main. So you have a salad with like a little meat on top. We love the tea. I've actually ordered some Ikarian tea from... (laughs) a Greek website. And my husband and I both talked about things we need to do in the evening to sort of not snack. I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Like I'm a big evening snacker and actually went on the Blue Zones website to like look at recipes and I even ordered their cookbook. They're big on breakfast and a lot of communities eat the majority of their calories before noon. 
Really? And I'm like, that is not me. Me neither. I mostly just drink coffee until noon. So I've been trying to think of what kinds of breakfasts I can have and different kind of breakfast. Uh, Maybe even a savory oatmeal with an egg. Even like a miso soup for breakfast. Like Claire has breakfast soup. Bring it back to breakfast (laughs) soup. Yeah. Well, yeah, because Dan Buettner does like oatmeal. He does not like granola. Too much sugar. Oh, yeah. I missed that one. Well, no, I'm following him on Instagram now. Oh, okay. Which after a while you start to get like, well, what can I eat? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Beans. Lots and lots of beans. Yes. And we do eat a lot of beans. Um, I really love chickpeas. But breakfast beans. How are we going to work in breakfast beans? I I don't know if I can do breakfast beans. I lived in London for a summer in college and there's beans. There's so many beans. (laughs) That's true. In fact. Beans on toast. This is a fun, weird side note. I had to cover an art installation where an artist was sitting in a bath, a full bathtub of beans, like up to his neck, I want to say, as a live art installation. And I was supposed to write a news story for the Associated Press about this. That is so British. That's what happens when you're 19. Was the story just, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Title, that won't wash off. (laughs) It was was, like baked beans, like cooked beans. I mean, yeah, it was like the beans that are part of an English breakfast. It is like a bathtub full. And so one of the things Dan Buettner has been doing since covering the Blue Zones is he's created a whole Blue Zones project where he's thought, how can I actually recreate some of these Blue Zones in other areas, specifically the U.S., counteracting a lot of our cultural things like the busy lifestyle, car dependency, all of that. So there are a lot of communities in the U.S. that have become designated Blue Zone areas. And Fort Worth is one of them. What? I'm shocked by that. I know, I am, because I'm like, how? How do Why? you get them to not eat barbecue? Is that a requirement? <laughs> I know. Like what? That's my first question. <laughs> well, and that doesn't seem like a very walkable community. Right. Am I wrong? I mean, I don't think any area in Texas is really all that walkable, but they've already seen some changes in like the levels of diabetes, number of people with heart disease has already gone down. And this is just in maybe five or 10 years that that they've seen these. And I think having a community garden was a big one where people can grow their own produce. You know, it's not only seeing where your food comes from, but it's also that community effort, like being with people from your community. And you're getting the physical activity Uh while you're gardening. So there is a website, bluezonesproject.com slash live long for worth. And there are dashes in between each of those words. And it's a partnership between the Blue Zones Project and actually Texas Health Resources. One maybe kind of funny counterpoint. The documentary is, I think, purposefully slow and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's not my kind of television. Oh, okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I really enjoyed the first episode, 34 minutes, but if it would have been twice that long, I would have been like, I do not have an hour to be so still. I mean, there's a lot to be learned from that. Let me just say, I probably need this more than I'm willing to admit, right? Right. That just like sit down and listen to these older, beautiful people talk about how to have a long life. No, I got stuff to do, right? Right. So I consume this in little nuggets because it's too slow for me to do all at once. Yeah. Yeah. I am glad, however, that this was not a super bummer. Like my last television assignment, it made me feel good. It made me feel like there was something I could do in my life. And then, of course, I walked out my back door and into my car and drove to a busy work day. Yes. (laughs) And I just decided it's okay to do all that. It is okay. But I do like that it was very hopeful. There are things we can do. It's not like totally hopeless for us. And we can eat more sweet potatoes just in our ice cream. Yeah. 
Y'all stick with me. So if anyone out there is also watching this show and it's inspired you to make any changes, please let us know at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you. So share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of the show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. <laughs>